Pratis. I really do. That. It is amazing that needs to be observed. I'm sure that yeah. the Pinson household, the hanging of Saddam Hussein in Baghdad was discussed. Right? What day of the month was the it? Timing was very interesting. Uh, wait, you think, Erev? Well, I have a surprise for you. Right Tess Tavis. Yeah. Do you know who the Archat is? Tess Tavis. I wouldn't say yard side to the Khalat. Ezra Sefer died Testavis. In the Slichas, and I have the Slichas here, which we're going to read, it speaks about the passing of Ezra Sefer. Hello, good evening, welcome. A minute, right? Does anybody know where Ezra Sefer passed away? In, uh, in Persia. Yeah. Huh? What did you say, Hanveda? Where's Hamadan? It's in Iraq. It's in Iraq. It's not far from Basra. How do you know this? That's why I waited them in Me? Yeah. That what? No, how do you know Ezra Sefer died? No, no, no. Ezra Sefer. Oh, you're not listening. Ezra Sefer passed away. You sounded so scholarly, right? Because over here it says, it has a different name. Ezra Sefer. Passed away, Tess Tavis. Now listen. Okay. Ezra Sefer brought the Yidden back to buy Shani. So Lachayri should have been in Eretz Yisrael. You would think, right? He left. Now Ezra Sefer was Ezra Sefer. I mean, he came back to Eretz Yisrael. What did he do, Ezra Sefer? He took with him all the problems. All the problems. He says, all the Yidden lived in Babel, whose Yichas was sure, in other words, who have good genealogy, they knew they came from holy genes, they, um, he left in Babel. He took him 44,000 Jews, 44,000 Jews, all the Jews who had problems with assimilation, there was a very, very big issue with assimilation during that era, there were a lot of intermarriage, like it says in the Mishnah, as it took all the problems, he took him back to Yisrael, and he did many things, he completed the Tanakh, Ezra Seifer, he started Ashkenaz Sagdela, and he also was Mesiach Hasidin. He identified all the Jewish people. No, beginning of Ayesheni. Ezra Nechemia, the last Svarim. Ezra was one of the Seifrim. The, se- the Seifrim and the Ashkenaz Sagdela were essentially the same people. The Seifrim was how they sealed the Tera Shabbiksav. They counted which Svarim belong in the Tanakh, which Svarim are outside the Tanakh. I was supposed to discuss that last week in my Hanukkah class, which was, which was uh, uh, circumvented by something more enlightening, as it were. Um, and then Anjika Sagadela. They made the Siddur, they introduced binding. They say, Tere Shebeksav should be contiguous. Not every generation of Rabban and Paskins and Lachas by themselves. But the halachas are cumulative. Halachas from earlier bezin is passed along to a later bezin. They made gedarim and tzogim. This one Ezra, and then Ezra left Eretz Yisrael. Who was Rabbi then? Shimon Atzadik was the king Gadol. Nechemia was there. Do we have a shidden to mention? No, the Oh, they were under the Persians. Dariavish, Darius, um, and Ezra went to Chutzlaritz. Why did he go to Chutzlaritz? He, one of the reasons he went to Chutzlaritz was he wanted to bring Jews back. 
Why didn't you bring him off to begin with? They didn't want to go. <laughs> didn't want to go. And this was a big scar on, on, on what's called Shiva's Tzian, the return of Yidin at Yisrael. Yidin and Babel had it so good, they wanted to remain in Babel. And he passed away in Babel. What does that have to do with the lineage? With them staying or not? I'm just bringing out the point that Ezra was a man of phenomenal accomplishment. Oh, okay. He, yeah. he built the second base on Mikdash, finished Teresh Biksav, started Teresh Baal you know, completed the lineage of Klaus. Um, he one of the reasons he went was to to gather Yidden, and he passed away in Babel. I heard from a, a Jew from Iraq that they buried him in Baghdad. So when I when he died, when Saddam Hussein was hung, on Test Tevis, it to me was an amazing Ashkachapatis. When did they capture Saddam Hussein? Thanks to Yutes Kislev. Yutes Kislev. And they hung him on the yard to the Ezra Sefer. And Ezra Sefer is buried in Baghdad. So I, I came to the Shia, to the, the Sunday morning to the Shia, with a sort of a tevis. I said to the ladies, when a, a Goyesh Rosha dies, you have to thank God. A Tzera Yehudim dies, you got to celebrate. If you don't thank the Ebishter, the Ebishter wants us to thank him. I mean, he doesn't exactly need to be bribed, right? The, the, the Chazal say that uh, when Yidin left Mitzrayim, they sang Shira. So the Malachim also sang Shira. So the Abishnah got upset with the Malachim. The Jewish people are drowning in the Yamsaf and you're singing Shira. Why? Because the Malachim weren't threatened by the Mitzrayim. So the Malachim, Malachim have to look at it. The Abishnah's creations are dying. But Yidin, who suffered so much at the hands of the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were being destroyed, you know, you shouldn't be a bleeding heart, you know, stupid person. You have to thank the Abishnah. You have to thank the Abishnah for the, for the great Laness. They get like and there's a gavaldi kasipur. There's a modern dikamaisim, but the Friedi can rebbe. Very interesting to myself. The Friedi can rebbe was, as you know, physically compromised. Right? He was, he was not healthy, bechitenius, and he um, he was very limited in his mobility. He couldn't speak, and so on. He had a nurse taking care of him, and everything. Like the Friedi can rebbe was once sitting in his office muttering to himself, mumbling. The nurse walks in, her name was Manya, she walks into Friedrich and Rebbe, and she sees that the Rebbe is mumbling, so she tries to get his attention, and the Rebbe is not responding. So she starts to get nervous, maybe there's something wrong with the Rebbe. So she runs outside, she tells one of the children that the Rebbe is not responding. So they run in, they made a little noise, and the Rebbe finished. So they ran and they called the one person who could help them, <laughs> the Ramash, their good friend, the Ramash, the Rebbe, they called the Rebbe. The Rebbe came running upstairs, and he went into Friedrich and Rebbe. He leaned over and listened to what the Friedrich Rebbe was muttering. And then he said, uh, everything is fine, you don't have to worry. The Friedrich Rebbe was saying, he was saying, that he didn't see anything around him. Later on, the Rebbe asked the Friedrich Rebbe, why was he saying, so the Friedrich Rebbe said that at that moment, an echelon of Chassidim was crossing the border from Russia into Poland. The Rebbe said about every Jew who left Russia, you could say about them, you came from Russia, right? And he was afraid, he was forgot to thank God. The Rebbe thanked God for them. So when the Ebishta makes a mess, you have to thank the Ebishta. And to me, Personally, the fact 
that Hussein was hung on the day of the yard site of one of our greatest tzaddikim, who didn't have no business being in Iraq whatsoever. And he was there, and he's buried over there. And you should know that the Muslims give such covet to his cave. They know his, his resting place. As I say, I have over here, I had nothing to do with my time, and my paper, so I printed from the Seder Adetis you have. And in the back, from uh, Eisenstein, uh, from the Eitz Yisrael. And I indicated it, the second to the last page, if you'll just t- if you turn over your book and go back one, I, I, I printed over here from the Seder Adetis, and um, they built, oh, this is really more, they built a shrine. They made a, they made a shrine, and as I say, it died how many years ago? It's almost 2,500 years ago. 2,400 and something years ago, yeah? And the, the, the Muslims, the Arabs, have They know that they mess with this cave, they're finished, and if they treat this cave with respect, there's a very interesting story in Sayyidina Adetis. Okay, if we'll have, I'm just showing you what, what you have over here. If we'll have a chance, let's try to get to the Sayyidina Adetis, which tells a story. As it came to somebody in a dream, his cable was being damaged. And he said, if you don't fix my cable, people are going to start to die. And a half a city of Goyim died. Until they repaired his cable. And here it also brings down the same story of Masoyed bin Yamin, that Ezra Sefer is buried in, in Baghdad. You want to read it quickly? Yeah, I, I want to talk about Asar Batavis, but I feel that this is too blatant, too overt, Ashkach Pratis to pass up. And the stalkers of such a tzaddik, in the place of such a tzaddik, the Eibishter punishes one of Yidin's greatest Sein Yisrael. You know, Saddam Hussein we forgot about. You know we forgot about Saddam Hussein? Because he was in jail. Saddam Hussein was one of the biggest Sein Yisrael. He was a sakona to every Yid in the planet. When the Eibishter kills our enemies, we have to thank him. I, I, that's, that's my take on it. I know it's not American, but uh, uh, what can I tell you? The Sefer Masoy is bin Yamin. Yes, we'll do this quickly. I, I, I want to do, like I said, I saw the Batavis, but quickly. But Seif Masai bin Yamin, he writes it, there's a Nahar Samora, which is Shah Maschalas Malchus Paras. There's a river Samora, I don't know what that is, which is the beginning of Persia. Now, understand that today, Persia, which is Iran, is on the other side of the Persian Gulf, you understand? A Persian Gulf separates Iran from Iraq. But then, there was a Persian Empire, and the Persian Empire occupied the southern part of what is today Iraq. And what had been in an earlier time... Bovel, Babylonia, you understand? They took turns ruling the world. First it was Bovel, and then it was Madai and, and, and Paras. So, Nahar Samora, which is Tchilat Malchus Paras, is not in Iran, it's in Iraq, it's in Bovel. There's 1,500 Jews there. The Ezra Seifen, Kishiyatsam Yerushalayim, when he left Yerushalayim, Achel Melech Artach Shasta, after the king Artach Shasta. Now, I want to tell you something. The Rebbe has a footnote in the Kut a footnote in the Now, I have to remember where I saw this footnote. I just saw it today. That Atakshasta is the same person as Dayavish, as Darius. Dayavish was the son of Achishvedish and Esther. And he gave permission to build the second base on Mikdash. And Bechal, there's a huge discrepancy in history. I've mentioned this to you before, that according to the Goyim, the Persian Empire lasted a couple hundred years. According to us, the Persian Empire lasted two generations that Alexander Mugden killed Daryavish. So there's a huge discrepancy. This king, Artachshasta, it says someplace in Sefer Sisrael, is the same man as Daryavish. But Artachshasta was 
the generic name for all kings. You know, just like every king was Pare and every king was Antiochus, everything was Antiochus. So he went to meet him. Umeis Baderech, he died along the way, and Nikpa Shami he was buried there in Iraq. And he writes that Lefnei Kivre Beis Haknesis Godel, they built a big show in front of his grave. Ubitzad Hasheni shall kivre, the opposite of his grave, Hamidu Yishmaelam Beis Tifla, they put up a Beis Tifla. You have to understand, Ezra Sefer died more than more than a thousand years before Islam came on the scene. So Yishmaelam Beis Tifla doesn't necessarily mean a, a, a Muslim shrine, but it may be. Okay, Huh? They were pagans. They were pagans. Yeah. Because of Sham, it's written there Ashkelon Benoi, Ezra Besvas Hayom. What's a pagan exactly? Just believes in one God? No. No. Pagan means believes in many gods. Right. It's Ashkelon. It's the city of Ashkelon Benoi, Ezra Besvas Hayom, built by Ezra on the the beach, on the coast. Okay. V'asafed Rakum who Kalno Aschals Medinas Shina, Sham. That in this place called Rakov, which is on the border of Shinar, Shinar is Bovel. Okay, that's the shul of Ezra. When he returned from Bovel to Yerushalayim, but he never got back to Yerushalayim, he remained in Bovel. Okay, and they, the ancient ones chose the shul of Ezra, and whatever, Now, there's a problem. Hori Arot is another part of the world. There's, there's, there's different days about what are Hori Arot, right? We know where Mount Ararat is. Mount Ararat is Armenia, which is Europe, right? When the marble ended, the table landed in Hori Arot, there's some who say the Hori Arot are in Bovaltake, not in uh, Armenia. But anyway, just read the story quickly. It happened one time, the cave of Ezra broke. And a shepherd slept on it. came to him in a dream and he told him, I am Ezra the scribe, I'm buried here. Go to the Jews and tell them, They should remove me from here and bury me someplace else. And if the noble person, the leader of the city, will prohibit it, inform him, everyone's going to die. The shepherd went and he told the Jews. They went to the officer. They told him. He refused. They should exhume him and remove him. There was immediately a plague. Half the people died. Not one Jew died. Ezra Seif had a way of taking care of business. Immediately the Sar commanded. They should remove his Aaron, or the cover of Makom Shetziva, and bury him where he commanded. As soon as they began to open his grave, Pesach Hadever, the plague stopped. Okay, this is this is a story about Ezra Sefer. But I I am bringing up Ezra Sefer really. What sparked me to discuss this was the fact that Saddam Hussein was killed in the country and even in the city where he is buried on the day that he passed away. It's, it's, an, un, it's an uncanny, it's a, it's a striking Nashkacha Pratis, you know? And in conclusion, I just want to mention that in Sefer Shaiftim, you had the story of Deveda Obarak. You know the story of Deveda? You know the story of Deveda? She was a prophetess, and she oversaw a war between the Jewish people and the Syrians and Aram, Right? 
And she sang a song of praise to the Abishter. And she finishes the song with the words, Kain Yevedu Kol so should be lost all those who hate you, God. The Eyav of those I loves, Kitais Hashemesh Begurasai, the Abish is a treat like the sun comes out in all of its power. And in Tanya, this Pasuk, the Eyav of Kitais Hashemesh Begurasai, is quoted in conjunction with Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, the Gemara says, Hakadish Baruch Hu Meitzi Chama Minateka, Hashem takes the sun out of his shield. Tzadikim Nizayinim by the Tzadikim are nourished by it to the Shayim. And the Hashem are punished by it. So I, I think, whatever, this is my opinion. It's, it's more than coincidental that the Yardzad is such a big tzaddik. In the plays of such a big tzaddik, the Abishta finally affected the death of a real tzaddik Yisrael. And if the Abishta will make and put him on the other side of the Persian Gulf, we wouldn't have any objections. The only miracle that Abishta cannot perform is that we should be mentioned. And that apparently is Gansa Grace and S. Allah under Zachan and Alain Poilam, right? He can bring Mashiach to everything except to our Bechir. Anyway, so this is my introduction that Tess Tavis is the yard site of Ezra Sefer, and I think it's of great significance. Now, boys, here's what's going to happen now, okay? First of all, we're going to read an Abu Draham. This Abu Draham is very, very famous. You'll find out in a moment why. We're going to learn the Abu Draham, and then we're going to read a piece of a Sikha, and then we're going to do something interesting that I think is really worthwhile. I want to learn with you a little bit of the Slichas Masar Batevis, right? The Slichas Masar Batevis, we all put on our, the wires and our braces, and the rubber bands, so our teeth shouldn't fall out of our mouth, and we try to survive. But the Hemesis, the Slichas is very important, very nice words, very important words. And you'll see over there some more details about Asar Batevis. And we're done. This class you're going to come away with four inyanim associated with the Sarbatev. I don't know if you remember, on Tzayim Gedalia we had a whole bunch of stuff, remember? Tzayim yeah. Gedalia we had a class. So we're going to have four issues that are linked to Sarbatevs. But let's begin first of all with the Abudraham. But I need to tell you who the Abudraham was. Okay? Abudraham lived about 700 years ago. If you ever have in Hasidus, Upirush Harado, Reish Dalet Aleph, and of course, nobody knows what Radah means, but since you don't know and nobody else knows, so then it's okay. Nobody knows it's okay. Now this reason. Radah is Abdavid Abudraham. Okay? The Radah, Abdavid Abudraham wrote what is probably the most important commentary on the Siddur. Written by Ezra Sefer from Najkas Sagadeh Latake. Okay? This, by the way, just incidentally, I don't know how much you guys read, but there's two very, very good volumes on the Siddur prepared by Adin Steinsaltz. You could purchase two volumes on the Siddur. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of nice stuff in there. Some of it is not for you, it's, it's more for beginners. But he has in the back of the second volume a list of important Siddurim. And uh, it's interesting that the Siddur was made in times of the Anshkan The first written Siddur that we have is from Rav Amram Gohan. Rav Amram Gohan is over a thousand years after Ezra. In other words, Yidin Tavan Balpeh. Just like it didn't write down the Mishnah and the Gemara, it didn't write down the Siddur, which explains many things, including Chilufe Neschoyes and Shirin Neschoyes. Rav Amram Gon wrote the Siddur down, then there's the Siddur from the Psadi Gon, and uh, then there's others, but the Abu Draham, there's the Rambam Siddur. One of the most Siddurim is the Siddur of, Rab, of the Rabdavid Abu Draham. This is a page from that Siddur. But I want to tell you something. 
Okay? What is the meaning of the word Siddur? Prayer book, right? That's an evolution. That's not the original name of the book, of the word. In the olden times, the word Siddur meant a daily guide to life. There's something called Siddur Rashi. Have you ever seen Siddur Rashi? Huh? You can see it in the library. It's not such an account. You may even own it. Seder Ash doesn't have one word of the Nuschat Fila. There's a sefer called Seder Ayoyim, which was written later. But The word Seder in the olden days meant a daily guide to life. It'll start off with, let's say, Tikn Chatas, Maida'ani. Maida'ani is also a very recent filler. And it'll go through the day, and then it'll go through the night, and then it'll go through Shabbos, and Yom Tov, and so on. In other words, practical guide to life. And when people wrote Sedurim, Amolok Atzaitin, that's what a Seder was. Siddur of Amram Gon is not a text of prayer. Siddur of Amram Gon is a practical guide to life. What do you do on Sunday? What do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? What do you do on Shabbos? What do you do on Yom Tov and so forth? But many Siddurim were written. Rab Amram Gon's Siddur is unique. That in addition to writing what you should do and when you should do and how you should do, he says, and in the morning, say this. And he actually writes what you should say. You follow? And the same is true of Rab Sadi Gon, the Rasag, who was after Rab Amram Gon. He also made a Siddur. A Siddur is 80% you know, how you get up in the morning, how you get dressed, how you make a bracha on sitters, how you put on film. Halachas poshit, practical guide to life without shyness, just what you're supposed to do. And in the middle he says, and then you say this, and then you say this, and you, you know what I'm saying? That's how it's a more. Rashi made a sit, it's all halachas. There's no actual text. The Radar, Rabdavid Abudram also made a book with no actual text. What makes his sefer so exceptional is this. The Abudram goes through the sitters, the Nusachat filler, and studies it line by line, and tells you every single line of the Siddur, what's its source in Tanakh. If, if you look at the Siddur, we daven, I would say 70% of it is Psukim. Right? From Tilim, from Ezra, from Nehemiah, from Debra Yomim, from Chumash, and so forth. The other 30% is Anshkan Sagdele, right? Barasha Omar, Yishtabach, Debrechaz Kirishman, Shmaina Esrei, right? These are original Tfilas. Every single line from these Tfilas has a source in Tanakh. And the Abu Raham tells you where in Tanakh each piece of tefillah comes so you could trace the Siddur to its source. People who really take Yiddishkeit seriously and take davening Siddur seriously learn uh, Radah, the Abdavid Abu Raham, for this reason. There's an interesting story that when the Rebbe Rashab was a boy around Levi's age, maybe he was 14, I don't know how old, you're 14 yet? Yeah, so maybe he was your age, I was on, yeah? So the Rebbe Rashab had a fabrenk. And by the Fabreng, and he talked about the word Pnimi. What's a Pnimi? A Pnimi is somebody whose inside and his outside are the same. So the Hasidim said to the Ramarash, maybe he could give them an example of a Chassid who is a Pnimi, so they should learn the lesson of Pnimius. So the Ramarash said, Gates of Mind Shalom Mer. The Rebbe was 14. They figured he'll send them a Ptanal to Chassid in the grace of Vice Abord and the Rebbe They walked into the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab at 14 probably knew the whole Shas. It was a god. He was not a normal child at all. He was sitting with a Siddur and an Abu Draham, the Sefer, and a Tanakh, analyzing the sources of the words of davening. In other words, Vos main tapnimi, that if I'm going to daven, I should know what I'm saying, where my tefillahs come from, and so on. In the Radah, in the Abu Draham, and Asana Batavis, is a Murilik Chiddush. Okay? And let's read this Chiddush. Let's read this Chiddush. Okay? Okay, for purposes of brevity, that means to save time, I'll do a little bit of this by heart. There's a pasuk that says, 
צעים הרביעי, וצעים החמישי, וצעים השביעי, וצעים העשירי. צעים הרביעי, the fast of the fourth month, which is that? שבעה סבתאמוס. צעים החמישי, the fast of the fifth month, is תשבע. וצעים השביעי, the fast of the seventh month, is צעים גדלי. וצעים העשירי, the fast of the tenth month, which is the son of Betavis, when Mashiach comes, they're going to become good days. Right? So on the second line from the top, it reads, I underline the words, Really, a son of a teva should have mentioned first. You know why? You have to know the chronological order of the suffering. The Pesach chooses to write the order of the months. Four, five, seven, ten. Although, a son of a teva occurs first. Right? You know the history? The history is very plain. We have four fasts in a sequence. The first, the son of Betavis. Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bovel laid a siege in Yerushalayim. He surrounded the city. The siege lasted two and a half years, right? What did you do when you, when you laid a siege to a city? You have to remember, this was before they had what they called dive bombing and, and the, the B... Uh, no, help me out. The B... The B... The B-52. Um, what did World War II, what did they use that then? The big bombers of World War II, what were they called? I guess something 14, no? F 14s? No. The, the big bombers that these, you drop, you want to destroy a city, you just rain fire out of the heavens. They didn't have that in those days. So you would lay the siege to the city. And what did you do? You did such wonderful things like you cut off water supply, you didn't let people come in and out, and the city would starve. That's how it was. So a siege was basically a long, it was a long, drawn out exercise. It was waiting out. Who could survive? The siege in Yerushalayim lasted two and a half years, from Asad Betavis until Tammuz, two and a half years later. Now, in the first base Amikdash, if I'm recalling correctly, on the ninth of Tammuz, the city walls were breached. They finally broke the walls. We fast the 17th of Tammuz, Shivas of Tammuz, because by Bayesheni, the walls were breached on Shivas of Tammuz, and that is, of course, closer to us. But the Tanakh says, I believe, in the ninth of Tammuz, two and a half years later, they breached the walls of the city. There was a war in Yerushalayim, you can't imagine. One part of the city is still living normal life. The other side of the city, they're killing each other. Two and a half weeks, three weeks, the, Babel, the Syrians, the Babylonians, and the Greeks, the, the Romans fought with the Yidin. Zion, Thomas went into the base of Mikdash. Tishbov in the afternoon. Oh, there was plenty of food. I mean, the Gemara says, Rabbi it was a big city. They had, they had supplies. You know that the Gemara says in the Gemara, which you're learning this year, that... There was enough supplies in Yerushalayim to feed the city for 22 years. What about, maybe it's all wrong. I think I heard that Mashiach was the siege. That all the, that the mothers were eating their children. When it came the time of the actual Churban, these things happened. But there was enough food in Yerushalayim to sustain the city for 22 years. You know why they didn't last? They opened up. Why they opened up? They were fighting with each other. Because there were Jews who wanted to fight the Romans. And they burned the storehouses. Can you imagine? You think Jews are crazy today, huh? <laughs> we got to take a, a, a lesson plan from an old book. You understand? There was food and oil and wine and fuel for 22 years. And the Baryuni, the terrorists, burned it because Abiyachin and Ben Zakai said we're not fighting the Romans. And they insisted on fighting the Romans. They thought they could defeat the Romans. Taste. 
this is, this is history. This is our history. This is a Gemara. You'll learn it this year, Masech Gitten. But in any case, two and a half years later, they broke through the walls of Yerushalayim. Three weeks later, the base mitzvah was put on fire, just for a simple observation. How do you burn a building that's made entirely of stone? Kerosene, and then what? I don't know. The walls were about 10 feet thick. You fill the building with wood, and you bake it. You know what it took to burn the base of Mikdash? It was, it was a supreme effort to destroy it. They must have put, you know, tons, huge, huge quantities of fuel inside, and the heat, Posh it, caused the building to collapse, Posh it. You understand? It, in other words, it, they, cover, they didn't have to cover everything. My point, it, it, it took a lot of, the Rishayim worked very, to destroy the base of Mikdash was an effort. They, they were really determined to, Chas Burn the base of Mikdash. Now wait. A little while after Gedalia was murdered, it remains to be seen, of course, whether that was two months later or a year and two months later. I told you, we, had, we, we learned the story. Same Gedalia, we had a discussion on this story. And I explained to you that the reason Gedalia's death was so calamitous is because no Jews remained in Israel afterwards. Until the death of Gedalia, there was a continuation from Bayez edition, and it was interrupted, right? But the first of the Asad Batavis. So Abutavis happened first, then was Shiva Sabatamus, then was Tishabav, and then was Tzayim Gidai. So the Buddha writes, really, Tzayim Asidi should be first in the Pasuk. It's put last because he goes in the order of the, Pasha, of the month. Now, scoot sc- sc- down to the middle of the page where I underline twice. V'chilak yesh b'neim. But there's a difference between between Asad Abutavis, which is the fast from yesterday, and the other fasts. The four fasts have to be pushed away if they fall on Shabbos, right? Tzemgedalia could be Shabbos, Tishabab could be Shabbos, Shivas of Thomas could be Shabbos, and Tanisesta could be Shabbos, right? Now, when Tanisesta could be Shabbos, what do we do? We fast Thursday. We go back, because you want to have put him. When Tishabav is Shabbos, Tzemgedalia is Shabbos, and Shivas of Thomas is Shabbos, you push it forward to Sunday. Except for Asada B'tavis, it never falls on Shabbos because we have a fixed calendar that was made in the second century that prevents Asada B'tavis from being on Shabbos. So he says like this: First of all, it falls on Friday. We fast, and you should know you're not allowed to fast on Friday. If you have a fast on Friday, for whatever reason, you have to end the fast a little while before Shabbos. You're not allowed to come to Shabbos Mu'une. We fast, we had this mamish a year or two ago. You fast the Sarah Batavis and you finish the fast. You right. come into Shabbos, you make it right. In other words, we came into Shabbos fasting. We dab him mighty, we dab Kabbalah Shabbos without any food in the mouth. Only a Sarah Batavis. And then he adds, If a Sarah Batavis would be Shabbos, we couldn't postpone it. On a Sarah Batavis it's written, on the essence of this day. Where it also is written, So the Abu Draham, who's from the latest Rishonim, he's 700 years ago, makes a Gzeda Shava. And he says, just like if Tim Kippur was Shabbos, you fast? If I saw the with Shabbos, we'd fast. Now you should know that he, not the Gavriel, Gavriel Tzinah has a whole essay on this question of why we fast. He says, one of the things he says is like this. That most young, most fast days, the Torah says which month to fast, but not which day of the month. V'haraye, on Tishabav there's a shalav. We should fast the ninth or the tenth. 
Shiva Sabatamas, we don't fast the ninth of Tammuz, we fast the seventeenth of Tammuz. We know which month, but not which day. Same Gedalia, there's a lot of opinions that Gedalia was actually killed in Rosh Hashanah, we fast after Rosh Hashanah. we know the fast the day was declared. Not just the month, but the day. Bukhalaif Nasara Batavis on a higher level, not the fast. If Asara Batavis had fallen, Shabbos would fast. Okay? Turn the page, please. Just one page. We're reading where I made the arrow, second paragraph. The Yashlaima, the Rebbe says, Why is Asara Batavis so unique that it's more severe than the other fasts? Vigiretta Mobarucha writes to the Rebbe, we discussed this once at length. As Das is the Asbara, this explains in Das Habudraham, the opinion of the Abudraham, which we just read. As the Tainas van Asara Betavis, the fast of the tenth of Tavis, Hatanzicha Taikev Achumra has a power and a strictness. Lagabidi Andere Gimutsemis, when compared to the other three fasts. As Afilu Ayachol Bishabbis, even if it would be on Shabbos. We couldn't postpone it to a different day. Because it's written on it. This is the quote of the Abudram we just read. So the Rebbe says the Svara. Why is the Rebbe more strict than the other three? All three fasts are rooted in the Rebbe Tevis. According to Teda, an event is commemorated by its beginning. If something happens over a long period of time, when do you celebrate? The beginning of that event. The beginning of the Chorb Mabais Asar Batevis when Jerusalem was laid under siege is a deriber mer chomor It's therefore more strict than the other three fasts. Asar Batevis is in a category of its own because it's the beginning of the Tzadah. Right? I'll give you a different example. The Beis Amikdash was burnt. When was the Beis Amikdash burnt? When? Yeah. The day or you? Tish But they put it on fire in the afternoon. The actual burning took place the night of Yud and the day of Yud. And the Gemara, Rabbi Yechanan, says that you should fast two days or you should fast the tenth. Nobody does that. Because it started burning on the ninth. And in Yiddishkeit, everything goes after the beginning. Asana Batavis is the beginning of all the calamities. So Asana Batavis is more severe, you would fast on Shabbos. And of course, the Rebbe, in this Sikha, his point, of course, is if Asana Batavis is the epitome of the negative, then spiritually, it's the epitome of the positive, it's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. You follow? But this is how the Sikha starts. So, so we, we just touched, we just touched on Asara Batavis. Asara Batavis marks the beginning of the sequence of fasts that revolve around the Chor ben Abayis, or the Chab ben Abayis revolves around them. Asara Batavis was Shabbat through fast. Okay, now turn the page. One more time. Okay, why do we fast Nasara Batavis? We're going to have three reasons. Okay, they say that we touched on before. Okay, I'm reading the slichas. Okay, we all said this yesterday in Shul. Maybe we could have had better kavana. We'll do it now. Okay, <laughs> by the way, I just want to tell you where I took this from. This is not a Lubavitch Siddur, obviously, right? This is called Slichas Hamafurish. A guy named Weingart made a whole series of books on the Siddur, on Slichas, on the Machsid, on the Haggadah, on Kinnus Echa, where he translates, if you want Pidash Amilas, you see how he translates it on the margin. 
line for a line, he tries to, it's Givaldic. It's very helpful. And it's Nusach Svad, so it's not very different from the Lubavitch Hasidim. I don't know if you're interested, but if you're interested in knowing what you're saying when you're saying, this is a very, very useful Siddur. Even for every day. It's a very I have a whole set. I bought them from Sasavet, all the Shon. I will remember the oppression that occurred to me. Okay, stop right here. You guys are linguists, I'm sure. What is the root of the word kora? Kra'ani. Okay, and I, I want one thing from you. Spell it for me. Spell for me the shayrish of this word. So you went to Beisrifke, you'd be experts at Sharashim, but you went to Alatev, I can't hold it against you. Ha, kuf, reish, hey. What does it mean? Ha? Yeah. To hear. To, to say. To call. Right? Kara to call is kufresh aleph. You were right, but why? What is the root of the word kara'ani? Kara with a hey. Kufresh hey. Kara with an aleph means to call. What does kara with a hey mean? It means an event that occurred by mistake. In Hebrew, the word for coincidence is mikre. Right? The Rebbe Rashab did not like to use the word mikre because coincidence sounds like things that happen by accident. So he instead used the word hisdamnus, hisdamnut. What does hisdamnus mean? Something that happened because someone was mazminit. It doesn't happen by itself. The word mikre, sorry? Planned, right. Not by accident. The word mikre denotes something that happens by itself. And I want you to know a cloud. And Ambam writes this. It's a famous, famous Ambam in the beginning of Hilchas Chuga. That when tzadis happen to Yidin, the Tater uses the word mikre. When good things happen to Yidin, the Tater uses the word as if Hashem is doing it on purpose. There is no such thing as accident by Hashem. There is, however, the appearance of an accident. Hashem behaves like he if he doesn't know what's going on. You follow? In the Teichacha, when all the tzaris and all the bitter predictions are made in the Chumash, like the one you unfortunately mentioned before, of the tzaris that are going to fall Klai Yisrael, the chosen term to denote these events is Mikre. Keri. Halachami mi bekeri. Elechani imochem bekeri. Says Rambam, what does that mean? Hashem is going to act like he's not paying attention. When Hashem doesn't pay attention, things happen by mistake, including tragedy. You follow? So all the tzaras and the teira describe what the word mikre, keri, kora, it happened. Now, if you believe in Ashkach Pratis, mikre is not mikre at all. Coincidence is not coincidence. Hashem makes it happen, but it appears to be. It looks like a mistake. It looks like happenstance. It looks like something that was unplanned and not orchestrated. So we use the word mikre based on its appearance. You follow? When we act towards Hashem as though what happens in our lives is coincidental, Hashem treats us in a way that appears to us as though things are happening by mistake. Which is why I feel it's important that we should thank the Eivishter for the death of Saddam Hussein. I feel that way. I'm a Daiknish, the Eivish. Yeah, it's part of politics. It's part of a war. But if we don't say the Eivishter killed a Tzedah Yehudim and the Emesis, he's a real Tzedah Yisrael. You know, <laughs> and dead enemies can't do no damage. If we don't thank the Abish, do we just say, basically it's part of American politics and the, the civil war in Iraq? You know, the Abish, we shouldn't say, Mikre, 
The Abishta did it, and we should thank him for it. But in any case, when Tzadis happen, they appear to be happenstance. They appear to be coincidental. So the Piet writes, Eskira, I'm remembering Matzik, the oppression of Shaitan, which occurred to me in a coincidental way. Bishalish Makis, with three klep, three uh, Makis, Nuhaf, three blows. In this month, I was hit. Gidani, I was ripped out from my roots, I was uprooted. Heniani, I was abused. Hechani, and I was hit. Ach, ata, hilani. And now I am exhausted, tired out, worn out from all of my tzadis. And the payet spells out the tzadis. Number one, the achani b'shmei On the eighth day of the month, he made it dark for me. Smallest v'yevonis on my right and on my left. Haleshloshton kavaiti tainis, and all three were established as a fast day. All three means the but pashtas it means the following three. Um, no, no, but pashtas it means the three days Four involved. No, 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 the three days involved in this I'll explain momentarily. Umalech yavon insani because the king of Greece. Forced me, lifted us to write the Yiddishkeit, the Tere Yevonis in Greek, Al Gabichor Shochershim, by placing plows on the backs of the Chazal, Herichumanis. They basically they prolonged the Golos and they forced them to translate the Tere into Greek. Moedavet Aboisai, on Ches Tevis, the famous event of Targum Shivim occurred. The translation of the Tere into Greek happened. Greek happened. Where did it happen? I think I discussed it with you once before. Anybody? In Egypt. Now, how did Egypt come to Greece? To Greek? And the answer is that when Alexander Mukhtan died, see, this last week's... <laughs> In any case, yeah, Alexander Mukhtan conquered the world. Alexander Mastona conquered the whole world. And he Hellenized the world. He brought Greek culture to the whole world. The Greeks were smart people. Cultured people. Very modern. I mean... In other words, relative to the peoples that came before them, there probably never was a greater cultural leap, historically, than before and after Greek. The Greeks... Were the Romans first? The Romans were much The Romans really are in the metamorphosis oh, of Greece. After. Much later, hundreds of years later. The modernization of the world can be traced... I, I heard once a radio advertisement. You know, Greeks... It was an advertisement for, uh, you know, air... I don't know what they call themselves, the Greek airline... The creators of modern civilization. That was their, their self-proclaimed uh, uh, achievement. The, we hold that a lot of their ideas came from Teda, like we were learning in the, the classes that we had the several weeks back. But the, Alexander Mastani conquered the whole world. He lasted 12 years. He died at 32. How he did what he did, nobody knows. But when he died, his kingdom was divided into three. Okay? There's differences of opinion whether he divided it before he died in anticipation of his death or it was a big political fallout after his death and the, the generals were... Sorry? It's unclear. He died at 32 years old. It's, it doesn't say any place outright that he was assassinated, but it sounds like a pretty good idea. It sounds like a good possibility. Poisoned? Perhaps, whatever it is. But he died at a very young age. He died at 32. He was a, he's an amazing general. I mean, amazing general means he knew how to kill people efficiently, in case you don't understand. You know, it's not exactly... 
Avram Avinu, you know what I'm saying? Um, but in any case, his kingdom was divided into three. An African kingdom, an a Asian kingdom, and a European kingdom. The African kingdom was Egypt. All the kings of the African Greek Empire were called Talmai. It was a generic name. And in English, you know how Talmai is spelled? With a silent P. Ptolemy. There's, there's an, actually a brand of olive oil called Ptolemy. <laughs> Why they chose that name, I don't know. But Talmai was a, uh, it was, was a generic name for all the Egyptian kings, and the P is silent, okay? They ruled Israel for about 200 years. Remember, the Jews who left, who remained in Antisakhtachorbimayisrishin, with the story of Gedaliah, they ended up in Mitzrayim. They ran to Egypt rather than go to Babel. Correct? The Gedaliah the, the said go to Babel, and they didn't want to go to Babel, they went to Mitzrayim. And the end was calamitous, we're not going into that. For 200 years, the Ptolemy kings of Egypt ruled that Israel. In other words, when the second base of Egypt was built, we were ruled by the Persians. Right? Dayavish. How long did that last? A grand total of 40 years. According to us, according to our Cheshbonim. According to the Goyesh Cheshbonim, it's much, much more, but according to our Cheshbonim, it's only 40 years, okay? The end of those 40 years, Alexander Macedonia conquered the world. He killed the Persian kings. He made the whole world Greek. Finished. Right? Now we became vassals of the Egyptians. And we remained vassals of the Egyptians for about 200 years, a little less. Then what happened? The Syrian Greeks, Purim is before, Purim is before building the second base on Mikdash. Okay? After about 200 years, the Greeks of Syria, whose center was Antiochia, and the generic name of all their kings was Antiochus, had a war, not with Israel, with Egypt. You understand? This was, this was a major, major political struggle between two of the mightiest nations in the world. And he conquered and defeated the Egyptian kings. And on the way back, he said, let's sweep up some Nemushas, let's clean up some more, some, you know, a couple of specks of dust, let's go to Jerusalem and bother the Jews. And that's how the Hanukkah story unfolds. You understand? It was a mighty, mighty army. They had just defeated another great nation. The, this, the, this, the Egyptian Greeks. In other words, the word Yavon doesn't necessarily denote a race. It denotes a language and a culture. Greece is Greece. It's a small little island someplace in, in the Mediterranean. Whatever, it's a sticking island to the ocean. Right? But the culture, their ideas, Rome is based on Greek ideas, and as was Antiochia, the story of Hanukkah, as was Ptolemy HaMelech. Ptolemy HaMelech took these different stories, these Lakuta Sikhs, if anybody's interested, in the beginning. The first Sikh has a whole bunch of different Mesech Tseifrim and the Gemara Megillah for the story of the Targum Shivim. But the, the classic version of the story is that he took 70 Chachamim. And he put them in 70 rooms. And he had them translate the Teda into Greek. And he didn't let them communicate. Of course, his intent was that they had to translate honestly because if they would mistranslate to protect Yidin from whatever they didn't want the Greeks to know, um, would it would reflect, it would, there would be contradictions. So they all translated identically and they all made depending on the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, 15 or 18 modifications. The Gemara lists the changes that they made. How were they, how, how they able to take the risk of doing it? They had no choice. He threatened to kill them. How did they risk the how change? They, risk, they, don't know. Uh, they were tzaddikim, they were tzaddikim, and you know what else? They were pretty smart people. <laughs> they were pretty smart people. <laughs> the, the first change that they made is the first words in the Chumash. They translated Bereshit Bara Lakim as if it said Lakim Bara Bereshit. They didn't say in the beginning God created, they said God created in the beginning. Because the Talmud would have said that the beginning created God. 
Nasa Adam Bitsalmeno, let us make man in our form and our image. He translated, Eeseh, I will make. One of the cute ones is the wife of Tomai, her name was Anevis, which means rabbit. Anevis, a trefa animal. It's one of the four species that has only one simon, right? It, it chooses its cut. It, Choose this God and doesn't have split feet. It has a complex stomach. A rabbit. A nevis. So they translate a nevis as a different word. And they all use the same alternate word. The Mishnah Gemara lists the things that they modified. And the, the Gavaldik and Ness, they translate the same way. But the Gemara says, says Chazal, that the world was in darkness for three days. And that's the Pshat. Just three days? No. No, no. When it was translated, it brought to the world, the Gemara says in Lushen, that it was Kiyem Shinasebe Ego. Like the day the eagle was created. Which the, the, Megillah, it talks about it a little bit, but it's in Mesechta Seifim. You know what Mesechta Seifim is? Okay, there's something called Mesechta Ketanis. Have you ever heard of Mesechta Ketanis? No. You know, you've heard of Mesechta? They're braces. Mesechta Avedezara, let's say, in the back. Yeah, Mesechta Avedezara is not a very big Mesechta. But it has its own volume. Because in the back you have a whole bunch of small Mesechtes. Mesechte Tzitzis, Mesechte Tfilah, Mesechte Kale, Mesechte Seifetera, Mesechte Mezuzah. There are a bunch of Mesechtes. One of the Mesechtes is Mesechte Seifim. And in Mesechte Seifim, two places, there's this story with Shinui Girsis. One place it said he took five Zekanim, another place it took 70 Zekanim, another place it says 72. But the bottom line is the Tzitzit was translated into Greek. And the Gemara says the world was in darkness for three days. And it was Kiyoyim Shanasa Be Egel, like the day the Egel was made. And the Rebbe, like I said to you, Angelic Chavdalet has a Gewaldic Asicha where he articulates, discusses the significance of all these aspects. So when it says here, Shloshtan Kavati Tainis, it means the 8th and the 9th and the 10th, I think. The atrium says here, it's like the 7th, 8th, and 9th. Smallest of the Amonish, no? Okay, which would mean the 7th, 8th, and the 9th. Okay, they are good. They are good. Okay, I mean, I stand corrected. I'm not going to argue with him. He knows what he's talking about. But I, I, I believe that Shloshtan means the three days that the world was in darkness. In other words, if Shloshtan Kavati Tainis means the day before, during, and after, so when the Gemara says that the world was in darkness three days, it was those three days. You follow what I'm saying? The Diak of Shloshtan is the Gemara that says that the world was in darkness three days. I, I like the second shot in Smalls and Yavonis. The Smalls and Yavonis means the Teda. The, the Teda, which is called Smile and Yamin, was translated. In any case, you should know that the translation of Teda into seven languages was a tragedy. Because this is when Goyim started learning Teda. And the, the Goyim's learning Teda was the beginning of all kinds of not good what stuff. Did translate the, the, the Tanakh. And you should know that translation is outstanding. It exists. It has a name, but I, can, I never remember the name. And the Ari Kaplan, you should know. You know, you heard Ari Kaplan, right? He has a book called The Living Torah. And he has a lot of ideas that he brings in his Chumash from that translation in terms of names of places for, and names of animals. Right? The Tata has names of places. What are these places? Right? So, so look at uh, these. Today, those places, if they exist, we don't know where they are and what they are and so forth. The oldest assistant to the ancient Hebrew, the Lashna Kodesh, is this Targum, and he brings it a lot. You don't have to assume that they translated Dafka wrong. 
but it's not considered a Torah translation. Targum Unkelis is Torah. Targum Yerusalem Benuziel is Torah. These Targumim are not. This Targum is, was made for Goyim, and it was considered a terrible tragedy. Zayamti, and I'm continuing the next paragraph. I had more Tsar, Betishabai, on the ninth of the month. Bechlima Vachayva, with shame and uh, embarrassment. Chosach Me'alayit was taken off from me, Me'il Hoid Vatsefer, an outfit of honor. Right, honor means beauty and a crown. Tarif Teirav Bay. On that day was cut away, was taken away from me. Hanaysein Imre Shefer, the one who gives us beautiful words. Who has Rasefer? The ninth of of, of Tevis is the yard of Rasefer. Next paragraph says, Yaimasiri, on the tenth day, Tsuva Ben Buzi, Achayza the Novi, Yechaskel Ben Buzi, who by the way is also buried in Baghdad, in Iraq, in Babel. Not in Baghdad. Yeah, I think he's buried in Baghdad. Write down in the book of Nevius to the memory for the for the for the commemoration of the nation that is melting away and embarrassed. It's Notice the words the same Lashna the Buddha before the idea of that that on tenth of Tevis the city of Yerushalayim was laid under a siege. These are three reasons we fast on Sarbat Tevis: Targum Shivim, the death of Ezra Sefer. And uh, the siege later in Yerushalayim. Okay? Now, I don't have much time, but I just want to show you one more thing. There's so much more here. A lot of nice stuff. I just want to show you one more thing. In the back of the book, I have this. Megillus Tainus. Okay? Megillus Tainus was an ancient Megillah, which was written before the Shas was written. The original Megillus Tainus was lost, and somebody recompiled it from Shtikalach Gemara, recreated it from the Shas. Megillah's Titus has 12 Perakim. Okay? Nisan, Nir, Sivan, Tamas, Av, El, Tishrei, Cheshun, Kisot, Tevish, Shvat, Adir. Days did not a lot of fast. Okay? This is Perik Yud Gimel. This is called Maimed Achren. Ve'elu ha'yomim shemesanim bahem in You see? These are the days when you do fast. The 12 Perakim speak about days you not a lot of fast, you not a lot of say a eulogy. This Perik says when you have to fast. Look at the left side of the page. Beches Betevis, you see? On the 8th of Tevis, Nichtav HaTeri, Yavadis, Tevis was written in Greek, B'meitami HaMelech. V'achesh achbal ha'elem shleishes yamu. And the world was dark three days. B'tespoi, on the 9th of Tevis, lay koswod avisenu ma. we don't know the reason. Now we know the reason, right? As I say, it passed away. B'yudboi, on the 10th of it, Somach melech bova, las yodei, al Yerushalayim l'achriva, on the 10th of Tevis, the melech bova, later see Yerushalayim. Now look at the bottom of the page. Look at the bottom of the page. You see, I underlined the betes boy leikosu rabiseinu alma. We don't know the reason. In the sefer kolba, he reveals the secret leima the baby yei meis Ezra kein v'nechemia bechachlai. On that day, Ezra sefer passed away and nechemia. Ubesefer yuchsen bagos shin shin. I should know who that is. Isa the meis Ezra sefer beyud betevis. He's on yud betevis. Somebody else passed away. Okay? Now here's the big surprise. This is the birthday of Eisiyahish. Test Which corresponds some years to December 25th. 
Yeah, what did he do? What did he die? He was there. Pesach. Okay. Tetzvav. Uh, <laughs> no reason to believe I that. I don't know. Nitro said he was born. Oh, right. Why, why is Nitro? No, why is it not English, though? Why do we go send it in English? Oh, this, the rabbi talks about this, because oh, since Goyim keep that cheshben, so we keep that cheshben as well. Forget, you should know Goyim have nittel in January 8th. You know that the, the Greek Orthodox Church has a different nittel. So in those parts of the world, they keep it, uh, talk it mm-hmm. Tavis. Oh, test Tavis oh, corresponds oh, to January 8th. To the Russians, right? The Greek oh, Orthodox. Yeah, okay, so Greek. Okay. okay, now the part of the class that I didn't get to was the idea that that it's going to be transformed. And since the Sada is the biggest low, it's going to be the biggest high. But the Mitzvah, the Tzaitfet Kumen.